You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Archery has been around for 10,000 years. It was first contested as a competitive sport in medieval England. It's been a permanent fixture on the Olympic programme since 1972 and on the Paralympic programme since it began in the 60s. And this summer at Tokyo 2020, it stages its first mixed team competition. So not only is it a traditional sport, it's a highly inclusive sport. So why does it get a bit of a raw deal in Britain? This is Great British Bosses from Anything But Footy. This is the podcast speaking to the people behind the scenes of British sport. I'm Michael. And I'm John. And we're here at Archery GB HQ in Lillishall to ask the man whose job is not only to grow a sport that's been around since Robin Hood, but whose job it is to win Olympic and Paralympic medals and attract new sponsors and investment after the main sport funding was cut after Rio 2016. I'm Neil Armitage, Chief Executive of Archery GB. And Neil, you're a relative newcomer to the world of sport, so tell us how you came to arrive at Archery GB then. Yeah, I, um, I was invited to join Archery GB as a non-executive director um, back in 2015, and uh, that's because I, started, I, I got to know Archery as a sponsor. So the firm I was working for at the time, uh, I was marketing director, um, I was looking for a, a sponsor, and it was in almost uh, in the lead up to the London Games. Um, so I uh, sponsored Archery GB, and then left that organisation. And in that meantime, I was uh, asked if I would uh, apply to take up a role as non-exec director for Archery GB, which I did. Um, and then I'll fast forward several months. Uh, I uh, was invited to uh, apply to become the CEO of Archery GB. So I came from a world which was uh, com- very commercially focused um, in financial services and uh, thrust into the world of sport. But I re- remember at the time when uh, when I was looking for potential uh, organisations to sponsor, to give me a, a piece of the action, if you like, at London 2012, um, I remember saying to one of my team at the time uh, that I really, uh, having you know made a connection with archery, I really thought the organisation had some phenomenal potential. It gives uh, the sport gives uh, individuals an opportunity to take part in sport when they are not the naturally uh, buff, 
muscle-bound physiques of, of the sports athlete stars that you, you see on the world stage. It gives uh, individuals an opportunity to practice sport that maybe um, are, are, weren't always picked for their uh, school football team or weren't always picked for their school netball team. A- anyone can do it, you know, from whatever background, whether you're disabled, uh, whether you're able-bodied, whether you're young, old, short, tall, fat, thin, it really doesn't matter. I mean, one of the in- initiatives that we're, that we're involved in is encouraging uh, Muslim girls into the world of archery. Firstly, they can practice sports uh, whilst in any kind of uh, um, attire, so they can still observe their religious convictions. You can actually uh, shoot arrows in a full burqa if you so wish. So we've been involved in, in uh, helping uh, young Muslim girls get into the, the field of sport and we've done this with something called Project Ramaya, which is Arabic for archery. Um, and one thing that we uh, that we discovered was there is a really strong cultural connection with the Muslim religion and archery. It's one of the few sports that's actually mentioned in the Quran as uh, as being a sport that the Prophet Muhammad um, favours. So we are really keen to embrace with the Muslim community in Great Britain. And I think after uh, you know after we've had such uh, divisive. Uh, such a divisive political situation with Brexit, etc. It offers an opportunity to use sport to bring communities back together again. So um, we're, we're really keen to explore this with uh, with the Muslim community. We've got uh, a scheme running at the moment in the West Midlands with three schools where we've uh, we've encouraged uh, young girls to come forward, participate in in the sport, but also move up and become ambassadors uh, for our sport as well. And, we're really, really pleased at the level of uptake that we've got and the level of engagement with these uh, these young ladies. So uh, we're, we're delighted with that. And you mentioned a great example of inclusivity. And as we said in the intro, why does archery get such a raw deal then when it comes to British sport? Yeah, um, I, I think there is uh, there's some history uh, behind uh, the sport. I mean, first... Not, not Robin Hood history. No, that's a, a great legend, but uh, I think... Uh, you know, if you even look back further than Robin Hood, you, you, archery was a sport which um, young boys had to uh, practice to be compliant with the laws of the land at that time. Well, you know, since fortunately we've relaxed those uh, <laughs> those uh, statutes. But I think why, one of the aspects why archery, we feel archery gets a bit of a, a, a rough deal, is around the level of protection that uh, playing fields get from sports and it's mentioned in the uh, the town and country planning act specifically that the uh, the, the 2015 uh, order around uh, planning applications protects um, sports like um, uh, football american football rugby cricket hockey baseball softball australian football um and cycle polo, but archery isn't mentioned in any of these protected spaces. And clearly, you need a lot of space to uh, to shoot arrows. So we're constantly trumped by those that are uh, are named in in that piece of legislation. Um, they can effectively put on a football pitch right in the middle of an archery shooting range, and we can't do anything about it. So. We're really keen to raise the agenda, to put archery on the agenda, because it gives an opportunity for the less athletic individuals in the country to actually get active. So as CEO, who do you go to lobby to try and get that changed? 
Um, well, uh, MP, uh, uh, MPs uh, that favour our sport um, and uh, podcasts such as this. You know, we're, we're really uh, keen to broaden that agenda and to get our, our message across. But uh, certainly, uh, I, I don't overlook any opportunity to talk about it. Let's talk a little bit more about you. And as you said, you were in that financial services world. How different is the corporate world to the world of Olympic, Paralympic and mass participation sport? It, it's incredibly different, as you, as you might imagine. Uh, I think there are, 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 if we talk about the similarities, um, clearly financial services is a very heavily regulated uh, sector of the, business, of the business world. Um, and when I came into sport, it was before the launch of the, uh, the UK uh, Sport Governance Code. And... Um, I see uh, a lot of similarities now in bringing regulation and uh, into the world of sport, and it's following very much similar principles to uh, uh, to the regulation that was placed on financial services. And I think it's a good thing because, you know, if you get the governance right and the integrity integrity issues right, you can focus on. Uh, being uh, proactive and not reactive so you get a much better um, uh, outcome for your sport for your athletes for your general participants because you're not firefighting keeping uh, the wolf from the door around governance issues and integrity integrity issues so for me um, there are parallels and I think there are beneficial parallels whilst you know the the, the any kind of organization rolls their eyes somewhat when the regulator knocks on the door. Well, I think uh, the lessons that have been learned in the financial services world and now the lessons that are, that are being learned uh, organically in the sporting world under this guise of governance are really, really beneficial to the sport. So in terms of the world of sport and allegations that there's been around doping or bullying in various organisations, is that sports banking crisis? Is that sports credit crunch? Um it- Possibly, but I think uh, it's whatever uh, whatever subject that matter the media really want to focus on. In in, in my opinion, uh, who, who is flavour of the day or or, uh, or not? Um, in in archery, uh, doping has never uh, really been a problem. It's a low risk sport. Um, it, it, the risk doesn't come from any performance enhancing drugs. Uh, and prohibited substances, but sometimes you can get inadvertent uh, doping from taking supplements. So in, at Archery GB, we have a food-first policy, so we'll, we'll uh, encourage you know, athletes to take their nutrition via uh, you know, actual food rather than supplements. Um, but there's only really been a handful of doping issues in archery that, that I'm aware of in decades and decades of, of the sport. So when you came in as the CEO... You have to at Archery GB. You take kind of all the home nations, yep. And you you're kind of the umbrella organisation yep. for that. How did you find that working with with different nations? And obviously they have their own maybe agenda as well. But you're kind of the overarching to coin a phrase, um, <laughs> in charge of the sport. Yeah, there's never a problem in overarching, is there? <laughs> um, I find it I find it incredibly engaging, to be quite honest. We have a Scottish Archery Association, we have Archery Northern Ireland, we have Archery England, and of course Wales. And we engage with those home nation governing bodies as much as we can. We like to ensure that our strategy and their strategies are harmonious. Um, and... Uh, 
the those organizations really come into their own uh, looking at uh, being able to deliver archery in a local environment with the local constraints and opportunities that that exist um because we you know we we can't do everything we can't cover everything um but we do work very closely with the home nation organizations in fact i i sit on the board of archery northern ireland so we we do uh, we do very much like to keep a very close connection with with the home nation and you put together your strategic objectives, mm-hmm. which is to grow and sustain participation yep. um, for both Olympic and Paralympic uh, sport, mm. um, deliver and sustain medals for those sports as well, and reduce the reliance on external funding, which I think is quite an interesting strategic objective, especially with your experience from the financial sector. Mm. Um, was that a key thing that you needed to come in and do Well, I think any organisation that's so reliant upon uh, a limited source of funding, that introduces a level of risk. Uh, uh, Funding diversity clearly mitigates that risk. So it became, for me, really an important strand to our our strategy. But it's tough. It's really tough. Um, Back in the day when I uh, picked up the phone when I was a sponsor and phoned archery and... uh, So that uh, doesn't happen now? um, Well, I'm still waiting for the call. (laughs) No one's rung you in the way you rang. Sadly not, no. Sadly not. But I think the commercial world is a real challenge. But we have to evolve. We have to evolve um, as a sector. the sector has seen investment from central government into sport for for a long, long time, and we run a very different model than than other nations in the world. But clearly, it works. Being engaged in sport helps society, helps the economy, and uh, and helps the health of the nation. And I think uh, the government should continue to invest in sport because it is a solution to several other features of our society. Um, you know, from reducing gun crime um, to uh, to helping youngsters gain self confidence and be uh, combat to mental health challenges, sport is one of those really valuable tools. And I think that the British government has recognised that and has continued to invest. However, there are great uh, challenges on the public purse now than ever before. So I think sports have to accommodate and be aware that there is uh, uh, going to be financial pressure to diversify our income streams. Um, do I think we should, the government should still be investing in sport? Absolutely, yes. But I think there is a risk that uh, the government could reduce that funding. So we need to be more fleet of foot and be able to uh, to extend our, our our sustainability, our financial sustainability into other spheres. So uh, you know, here at Archery GB, we're looking at a whole range of solutions, not necessarily just uh, just sponsorship, but gaining sponsorship is incredibly tough at the moment. The markets. Changed and evolve. Whereas, you know, uh, the start of my career, it was literally bums on seats, eyes on uh, eyes on adverts and and brand mentions. But now sponsorship has become much more sophisticated, and brands want levels of engagement from fans and level of engagement from participants rather than just a finite number. Um, so we're working very hard to ensure that we're moving with the times and we're keeping our, our fans and our participants uh, and our athletes engaged by more active uh, social media, more active and more interactive membership products. And, uh, yeah, we're, we're really 
looking forward to expanding that even further as uh, as we invest more in major events for Archery GB, which we've uh, we had our last major event in 2016. But I think the opportunities that now exist for greater engagement when you place a major event in a in a city, um, then that introduces that sort of social and economic impact where engagement with fans and engagement with your participants in that particular city can bring uh, a, a raft of uh, alternative financial benefits. So when you talk about funding models, Archer GB originally lost UK sport funding and then obviously has picked up some funding with the, the Aspiration Fund. Do you think the model, in a way, is set up wrong because it's too focused on medal moments and less on participation in sports like basketball, badminton and your own sport? Yeah, um, it's a conundrum. There'll always be this conundrum with mass participation uh, versus funding for getting medal success. But I think both aspects have uh, inspirational moments within their specific audiences. Clearly, uh, medals being won at uh, major uh, multi-sport events like the Olympics and the Commonwealth Games are phenomenally positive for those in the sport and can attract and introduce the sport to those that, uh, that don't necessarily see that uh, that uh, you know a smaller sport a minority sport on on the tv so generally after a games or after a, 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 a big international event with an which features an archery nation we do generally see an uplift in participation so there is a link should the funding be separated I don't think so. I think the funding model works uh, reasonably well at the moment. We've had our ups and downs. Um, And I think one of the biggest challenges, obviously, as you mentioned, when we lost our our Olympic funding. But I think it was around uh, a little bit of self-belief. We at Archery GB had very solid ambitions of wanting to deliver medals on a world stage. And I think the challenge that we had when we lost the funding was not to dismantle that that infrastructure which i believed could deliver us medals so we had to uh, we had to move things around financially somewhat but i wanted to ensure that i retained the key people in that uh, that high performance structure which fortunately we were able to do um and then set to work uh, firstly trying to ensure that we got uh, some medal success on uh, on World Championship, World Cup finals, and World Cup stages, uh, but also keep up the lobbying. Um, so we uh, we participate. John participated in the uh, hashtag Every Sport Matters campaign, and I'm really grateful to uh, individuals like Dame Catherine Granger who sat and listened, um, and uh, uh, Liz Nicol at UK Sport, formerly at UK Sport, again gave us a, a, an opportunity to. To speak and to talk to to the individuals making those decisions about our perspective, and I think the introduction of the medal support plan and the aspirational fund have been, uh, you know, tonics for us, and we're we're living proof that that kind of funding mechanism can work. Um, you know, uh, fast forward to uh, from when we lost the funding to June uh, in 2019, uh, we brought home medals from the World Championships. Which helped us uh, uh, helped us along the pathway to resecuring funding. Um, 
You know, I remember sitting in an appeal uh, session with UK Sport and uttering those immortal words of Arnold Schwarzenegger, I'll be back. <laughs> and, uh, and we were. We were back with a hall of medals and, uh, and that funding, that aspiration funding, medal support plan funding really helped us along that pathway. But I think the key issue was, you know, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. I was able to retain the key people um, to, to make those medals happen. This is Great British Bosses from Anything But Footy, and we're here at Archery GB HQ in Lillishall talking to CEO Neil Armitage. You mentioned about the World Championship medals. You won European Games medals as well with, with, with Team GB. So going into Tokyo, Archery hasn't won a medal for Britain since Athens 2004. Is that pressure or do you actually feel now in a much better place than say before London 2012 or or 2016? Yeah. I mean it predates uh, predates me all, yeah. all of these things um, we are in a phenomenal position this time around um, because I think the way that we dealt with the funding the last the, la- the loss of funding um, in, in 2016 uh, and then we started on the pathway. We won World Championships medals in 2017. And in 2019, so only last year, at the World Championships, we won uh, for the Olympics a full set of quota places. Now, that hasn't been done by a non-Asian archery nation since uh, since I can't find any records thereof. Um, so we are in a really strong position. We've got a, a, a good squad of, of male, female athletes going forward. We've got a, an increase in enhanced medal opportunity because we've now seen uh, a mixed team event, uh, uh, which is going to feature for the first time in archery in Tokyo. So we've got really strong men, really strong women. Um, we like more depth of field, so we're focusing uh, in the next cycle on, on developing our pathway. Um, but certainly to go into the Olympics uh, being you know, over a year out from the Games and having a full set of quota places gives us that air of confidence that, uh, that hasn't been present in previous game cycle. And in the Paralympic programme, there has been tremendous medal success and, and a great amount of funding as well. So you must, heading towards the two Games later on this year, you must have certain cause for optimism. Yeah, cautious, I, well, cautious. I, I'm an I'm an optimistic sort of guy. So um, you know, uh, we've we've managed to achieve, uh, as I say, full set of quota places for the Olympics, and we're almost there with the Paralympians uh, at the moment. But yeah, Rio was a phenomenal success for us. It was my first games in the sport. I went to the Paralympics, and uh, you know, we you came finished up, top of the table. Well, we came away with six medals, three of which were gold. Um, we had uh, one of those once in a lifetime moments when you know i was stood in front of the podium and we had what we had won bronze silver and gold in a single event and i remember singing the national anthem with tears streaming down my face uh, it was just one of those moments i have a, a photograph of the three union jacks the three athletes on the podiums it's my proudest moment ever so let's say the summer is successful in Tokyo, mm-hmm. and then go back to something you mentioned earlier about bringing large events, large archery events to this country, and how important that might be. How much then is it going to disappoint you as a sport that's based in the Midlands that you can't then go to Birmingham and the Commonwealth Games in 2022 and harness all that excitement and those potential medals you've won and do it in some iconic West Midlands based venue? 
I am incredibly frustrated by the position that we find ourselves in. Um, we started, uh, as soon as I found out that Arch, uh, that uh, the Commonwealth Games was going to be hosted in Birmingham. It's just up the road from uh, you. Indeed, indeed. <laughs> you know, we're, we're in the, uh, the heart of the Midlands, the heart of archery country. Um, and uh, when I found out that Birmingham were going to be hosting the Games, I immediately uh, picked up the phone and uh, talked to us, uh, the organisers and said, come on, we, you know, we've got to get archery in here. Um, after the end of that uh, process, we were invited to pitch as an option sport uh, because archery is not a core sport within the Commonwealth Games. It's only been in two editions, is that right? Yeah, sadly so. Um, but uh, we were in Delhi um, in well, gosh, 2010. 2010, when uh, when we actually walked away with a gold medal, or a team gold medal. Um, so that was our, our last uh, Commonwealth Games appearance. But uh, yeah, as you mentioned, you know when when I, uh, the Birmingham Games were announced, I was really really frustrated not to have archery in as a core sport. So I started on a, uh, a, 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 a really a campaign of harassment on the <laughs> Commonwealth Games Federation to try and include get archery in the games. So we were invited to pitch. Uh, well, we, we were one of five sports, and there was only shooting and archery that were not picked of the option sports. Um, Did they give a reason? Uh, a whole host of reasons, yeah. Um, I think largely financial, um, but uh, yeah, the, the, their assessment model is skewed towards, um, you know, about 35% towards fi- the financial uh, contribution. So does that mean venues? It was going to be too expensive to, to stage archery? Uh, the whole package was going to be too expensive right. to stage archery, and the ticket sales and broadcast uh, opportunities were, were more limited than for other sports. Um, however, you know I'm still very keen uh, to uh, to push for archery being engaged with the games. Um, we I've kept dialogue going with the Commonwealth Games Federation. Um, in fact, I'm, I'll be seeing Dame Louise Martin and David Graffenberg next week. Um, I'm keeping pressure on uh, the Minister for Sport, whoever he or she is right now. I'm not quite sure. But certainly Nigel Adams was uh, was helpful, I think, in, in triggering a number of conversations. Um, but I think particularly uh, the features of archery and the connection to the West Midlands are incredibly strong. Firstly, we're here. We're at Lillyshaw in the Midlands. Secondly, we've got uh, Birmingham with a population of 22% of Muslims, and we have a sport which is phenomenally well connected culturally to the Muslim community. So for me, there's an opportunity for uh, a, a real so good positive social impact, particularly you know in, in a post-Brexit Britain when we, could, we need some unification, opportunities to unify uh, communities across, uh, across Britain. And sport is a great opportunity. And in particular, archery in the West Midlands would be an incredibly positive uh, move to help those bring those communities together, um, we're not. Uh, I'm not giving up. Um, we're still. What in could com- happen though? Will they? Will they turn around and go? Actually, Neil, you're right. We need to have it in the games. Or potentially, like shooting, uh, talking about having their own event 
anyway. Well, archery is including in the shooting proposition. Uh, so the, the proposition is that the archery and shooting events take place in India in the month of March, I think, prior to the Games. That's the proposal that's on the table. I know the CGF are meeting about it and discussing it uh, either this week or next week. Um, I think it's unlikely that, that that move will change. And to be quite honest, you know, uh, having the support of, uh, of another country uh, bailing the British government out, I think, is... Uh, it's a positive outcome for the sport in general. Um, I don't think it's particularly positive for for Archery GB. Um, we'd certainly want uh, an opportunity for all of the home nations for archery to showcase their like this their sport and their prowess on home turf. It's a once in a, a career opportunity to have those home games. Um, however, you know we're still continuing dialogue. What could happen is you know what I'm pushing for is uh, lots of Archery opportunities in the lead up to the games, during the games, in get fan zones, have a goes, and uh, and we would like to very much leave a uh, enjoy a legacy and leave a legacy after the games by that level of archery engagement. Um, we've got an, uh, uh, some other propositions uh, which I'm, uh, I'm going to keep up my sleeve at the moment. <laughs> some various uh, activations that might happen. Th- th- there are a number of conversations going on uh, still. Yeah, and uh, you know I, I think. We were praised for by uh, the uh, Birmingham 2022 sports panel. We were praised for the quality of the uh, the bid that we made. Um, we're just frustrated by the outcome, but uh, it ain't over yet. The IOC particularly are obsessed with youth, as we know now, and trying to find disciplines that appeal to young people, and their program is changing. Where the IOC goes, the CGF follows to mm-hmm. a certain extent. So that's why we've got things like three-on-three basketball coming. Does archery, in a way, need to come up with its equivalent of three-on-three basketball or its 2020 cricket to try and attract, as you said earlier, the, the ticket sales and the broadcast? Well, the, we, we have a, a, a t- competition format, which is a head-to-head. And if you're looking at three people teams, three men or three women, or indeed mixed, um, if you're looking at the team sport, then it's really edge of your seat stuff because the athletes have to fire arrows in a really short space of time. So they have to be absolutely ready to step up to the line, load their arrows, shoot them off. If one um, if one archer takes too long, then they're robbing their teammates of of some the luxury of some time. So for me, it, it's quite a compelling and uh, an uh, interesting and exciting thing to watch. I mean, it's very much look at the uh, the popularity of darts on the TV now. Well, archery is like very very fast darts, like a hundred and fifty mile an hour darts. Well, you think you know how much coverage a woman playing in the darts got in January, and you, as I said earlier. You're a sport that allows men and women to play together, compete together, now as a team in the Olympics. It, it Sometimes it just beggars belief, the decisions that get made. I, I, absolutely. You know, I, I, I completely agree with you. We're, we're frustrated by it, but, you know, we're, we're doing something about it. We're ensuring that we have, uh, uh, for example, we're, we've got an ambition, which we've hit, to have um, equal number of judges uh, from either, from both genders. Um, we've got. We're aiming to have uh, an equal number of coaches, being uh, gender equal, and I certainly would like the membership of uh, Archery GB to reflect that 
population mix, both gender and ethnicity, of that of the whole of the UK. So that's going to be, I think, one of our future ambitions going forward. Engaging with youth is key. Um, but uh, the opportunities, as I say, we're, we're kind of not a mainstream sport. So, so my job is to, to raise the profile of that, to engage with the youth, to bring more uh, varied uh, individuals into the sport from a, a, you know, a complete mix of ethnicities that reflect that of the UK population. I've been stalking your Twitter feed, for example, oh and <laughs> all of your retweets are about, or most of your retweets are about engaging with the youth and getting young people involved. It's clearly something that's very, very high on your agenda. How, how do you go about making archery something that's relevant for young people when, in a way, for a lot of children who go away maybe and do summer camps and things, it is something, it is a pursuit that young people will get the opportunity to try. Yeah, absolutely. We've got a really strong um, youth programme uh, going on at the moment. Archery is part of the school games. So uh, in uh, last year, for example, we had about 145 inter-school competitions uh, with nearly 9,000 participants uh, within the uh, in the school games. We've had uh, an extremely successful campaign uh, with our ambassadors and mentors programme. Um, we, we launched that in, in 2018 um, and we've recruited now about uh, 35 people, 17 young ambassadors who are going out talking about archery in their local archery clubs, their local communities, their own schools and we've delivered over 450 activities to, uh, uh, from young people by young people. I didn't expect to, uh, to get so many young people keen on being ambassadors for our sport. I, I think it just goes to show the, uh, the, the passion with which individuals are, are uh, connected to the sport. It is one of those things that it becomes so addictive. Um, you know, I, I do remember when uh, then Catherine Granger came here and uh, she was very keen to shoot some arrows. Um, and she was good. She wouldn't give it up until she got several arrows <laughs> right in the in the gold. Surprise me! Yeah, just just one more, just one more go, just one more edge. go. Anyone always going for that gold, <laughs> which she did. Look, we wish you all the best of luck for the Olympics and the Paralympics, and with your persuasion or uh, harassing, as you called it, for Birmingham 2022. But Neil Armitage, CEO of Archery GB, thank you very much for talking to Great British Bosses. Thank you. Podcast Network.